This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sheila Shoiga and welcome to Ready to be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not, but my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort or simply entertain you. This week I speak to counsellor and psychotherapist Peter Mahoney. A great question I encourage people to ask themselves are the W questions. If you're triggered by something, you read something or a message and you just all of a sudden you've gone from being peaceful to angry, what, where, when, why and who? Mm. Great questions to ask yourself. In this conversation, Peter tells us a little bit about himself and what led him to become a therapist. We also get a deeper insight into therapy, what it is and how we can benefit from it. We talk about the impact the pandemic has had on us and how important it is to mind ourselves and others as we recover from the past year. There's a particular focus on teens and those in their early 20s in this episode. We also tap into self-worth, family dynamics, how friendships have changed during COVID. And he also gives practical parenting advice and shares tips on how to be a better friend to someone who really needs support. This episode was right up my street. I learned so much listening to him and I hope you do too. Peter, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you very much. It's great to have you here. I, I'm, I'm loving the fact that this week is quite different in that we, we only connected on Monday mm-hmm. through Instagram. So I threw it out to Instagram that I was looking for a guest this week simply because the person I'd lined up couldn't do it. And uh, I thought, why not throw it out and see, see what happens? And I got a huge response, which was, I was really flattered about. But yours was one of the first that came in and I was really drawn to it because of what you said that you do for a living 
and also what you suggested we may discuss. And I thought, that's it. I have actually wanted to record an episode about therapy and COVID. And so here we are. It feels divinely timed absolutely for want of a better description so thank you for making yourself available for this I feel uh, very lucky thank you so Peter let's start with you as I suppose yourself mm-hmm. your own story you're a married man of, and you have five kids and you're a granddad yes yes absolutely yeah I know I can't believe it myself um, married young started family young um, so I'm, I'm 49 I'm clinging on I mean, 50th is around the corner but I'm clinging on I'm still saying I'm late 40s and of course my kids are slagging me saying no you're not uh, but I'm clinging on for the, the, the last bit um, so I've been married to Kira for 29 years uh, childhood sweetheart we have five kids uh, our youngest is 17 just li- finished the leaving cert fair play to her she got through it all the school were brilliant COVID all that you know she's Great. there she's done um, and our eldest is now uh, 27 Mm. And uh, he's married and our, our next daughter then is married as well. So Paul has uh, Elisa. Uh, she's nine months and she in herself is therapy. Yeah. And uh, when she comes over, it's just whatever's going on. She just looks at you. She plays. And it's brilliant. Really, really love it. Um, I do see myself primarily as I'm a, I'm a husband and a dad and I'm a counsellor is what I do. Yeah. So I see my identity as being a husband and dad primarily. Uh, but what I do to help pay the bills or to contribute is is uh, is counseling and th- psychotherapy yeah. and i absolutely love it um i've come to it late mm. in life mm. um i finished school and during my summer holidays i had worked with my dad uh, he had his own kind of small painting business so i worked with him during the summers really enjoyed it uh, then i decided when i finished school i thought i had to go into college because everybody else was, but I knew it wasn't for me. Yeah. So my dad says, well, if you want to do this, why don't you get trained properly in it? So I did it four years, then started my own business, got married. Um, then I think around then the interest rates were really crazy. So I ended up doing security work for a year and a half. Well, Kira had a good job in the bank. Um, and then we just started a family young, like really young. So like by, by 33, I, I had five kids, you know, yeah, it was wow. really mad, you know, really, really mad. Uh, but great well, no, fun. But I mean, it, it worked for you guys. Yeah, that's and, our story. Exactly. That's your story. Totally. Yeah. And I suppose biologically, <laughs> you're kind of doing it the right way as well. <laughs> you're doing it in the time frame you're meant to be doing it. In some ways, yes. I feel I have the energy <laughs> for it anyway. So so I did, I did that work for oh, 20 years. Absolutely loved it. Really yeah. loved it. Small little business I ran myself. Really enjoyed it. Um, but then I, I had a lot of lower back problems and about 2015, I had, I just had a real breakdown of the back is what the doctor called it. And I was getting injections for about three years. I was on very strong pain medication, getting back injections for the, the nerves, everything. And looking back, if that hadn't happened to me, I wouldn't be where I was today. But yeah. in the middle of it's going, what is going on? I'm self-employed, trying to work, raise a family, feeling like a cripple, really did feel like a cripple. And your world becomes very small. When you're dealing with chronic pain, your world becomes very tunnel vision, visioned as in just survive the next moment. You can't think wider. So I was having, having a cup of coffee with some friends one day and they invited me to do a foundational course in counselling and psychotherapy. And mm. I thought, why not? They invited both Kira and myself. Kira's got a very very pastoral heart but counselling is not for her so I jumped into the four day course and at the end of it uh, I came home really excited and there was the offer to do the diploma and Kira said I think you should do it I've not seen you this excited in a long time I thought okay I'll trust her instinct did the diploma started seeing clients um, finished that 
between finishing the diploma and starting the degree, we had a bit of a family tragedy where my brother took his own life and that really threw the summer for us. Mm. Uh, it was May two years ago and it just kind of, I had just started my practice and seeing people and all of a sudden this happened, but it actually hugely shaped my work, hugely shaped my work. Yeah. Um, decided to jump in and do the degree uh, and for the last kind of two years, but 18 months really I've been running my own private practice. Um, I have my own office and uh, she had the privilege of being able to sit opposite somebody for an hour and hear their story. I, I, I am the lucky one. Mm. Um, and the beauty of th the beauty of therapy is that it's not rocket science. It's actually just creating a space where somebody can come uh, and be heard and listened to and no judgment yeah. um, total acceptance for who they are and what they're experiencing um, I have had the, the, the greatest honour for me is that people sit there and they kind of go I thought I was going to take this to the grave and then they tell you what yeah. happened to them or what unburden they did themselves. unburden themselves and it's life changing yeah of course it is of absolutely it is. yeah I've had I had one client who his brother had got in touch with me and had told me he'd been from Billy to Jack to Josephine with all sorts of chronic pain, headaches, migraines, depression, medication. And I was thinking, how? How am I going to care for this man? So he, he drove down. It was about an hour and a half, two hour drive down to me and he came weekly. And for the first four sessions, he just talked and talked and he'd sit and he'd kind of rock in the chair and he put his hands on his head because of the pain. He was going to kind of drink for comfort in the evening after his day's work. Mm. And I, in each session, I said about four sentences to him, you know, just listen to him and then, you know, anything else or very little. On session four, he said to me, um, can I really tell you anything? And I said, yep, I, I, I reiterated our, our contractual things where I would have to break our confidentiality. But I said, you can tell me anything. And he unburdened some things that he had hidden in his life for years and years. Mm -hmm. And he sat back in the chair afterwards and said, I feel lighter. Yeah. The, the image he had of himself was was a, a, a horse pulling a cart with the blinkers on and, and you know, the, the mouth muzzled and the whip and the people on the cart were everybody who had done him harm over his lifetime, mm. from the age of seven, over his lifetime. And after he told me a lot of those stories and he felt better, he came back the next week and says, Peter, my whole life is different. He said, the image I have now is I'm steering the horse and the only people on the carriage with me are the good people in my life now. He just flipped wow. his story completely. And she had, I, I said very little. Well, that's because you're a good therapist. <laughs> you knew just to sit back and allow the person to open mm. up. And I think, as you said, it's creating a safe space. What my understanding of therapy is that, you know, and it is it's a, it's, it is a trust thing. You have to kind of build trust with the person sitting in front of you. So I think it, it probably is a two way street, is it? It's, it's trust for the person coming in. Mm. To to open up and talk about whatever's going on for them, they need to feel like they can trust you and and vice versa, I suppose, for that for that kind of um, honesty to present itself. And it's interesting that it did take a few sessions, which I would imagine it's normal. Mm. It's not like you're going to have those breakthroughs in session one. It rarely Absolutely. probably happens for people where yeah. you do need to kind of stick with it. Um, mm. But when I met you as well, and I know I know we can't, you know, um, make our minds up on first impressions, but I think biologically we are programmed to uh, respond 
in a positive or negative way sometimes we can't help it you know the way you instantly meet someone and you instantly maybe go not so sure or yes I like them I I instantly did like you the second I met you I went okay yeah classy lovely lovely vibe (laughs) good way about him so I can imagine that people do feel comfortable in in your company as well Mm. Um, it's interesting when you did touch on the fact that your brother had passed away and I don't want to dwell on it Mm. And I am sorry. Thank you. And I can only begin to imagine that that has deepened, I suppose, your understanding of of people's pain and grief Mm -hmm. in a huge way. Oh, absolutely. I I remember studying it. It was one of the modules we did and I was distant to it going, you know, this could great parents, great family life, you know, all going well. But my brother's pain was quite unique. Uh, and I, I, I know the root of it now, um, but I will. We knew he was struggling. We knew he was going through a difficult time and we all rallied around. But that, that Saturday morning, that call from my dad. And even today, two years on, when I see my dad's number on the phone, there's this, okay. you know, just that moment. It, it's lessened. But literally, he just said, are you sitting down? And he told me what happened. And I just dropped the phone and burst into tears and my wife came over, Kira came over and said, are you okay? And she picked up the phone and 20 minutes, I just broke down yeah. uh, and, I, it would, and I needed to do that. And then it was kind of, okay, what next? It was, I think suicide in particular is very complicated because what it can leave for those left behind is so many questions that may never get answered. So my, they talk about the five stages of grief and it can be, you know, um, they don't come in order and it's definitely not, you know, in, in a circle or in a line. It, it's very, very confusing. Yeah. I went to anger. Two, three months I went to anger. Um, and I was snappy at home. Uh, I was just angry inside. I was angry at my brother uh, yeah. for what he did to my parents, for what he did to us. And I was angry because I didn't understand. Why didn't he talk? Why didn't he reach out? And then you begin to remember he called in. It was this Friday evening. He, he took his life. And I remember coming in on the Saturday night. He On this previous Sunday, he called into me. He never called into me. And he sat for about half an hour and afterwards I was going, was that his goodbye? You know, you begin to relay all the last interactions yeah. you have with them. And then I remember visiting him in an institution that he was in for a little bit and walking with them. And you kind of go, was I, was I too hard on him? Was I too light on him? But at the end of the day, Andrew made his decision. And what we had studied was very, very few people actually want to end their life. They want to end the pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's actually it. They no nobody necessarily wants to die. They just want to end the pain, but it gets so deep for them. This is the only way out. You know, we all of my family have gone to different people to talk about this ourselves. Different professionals who have helped us in it. Um, my parents have been phenomenal. Like talk about them supporting us. Uh, they, at, at the funeral, they both got up and gave a eulogy at the end, and they had the place and us in tears. Uh, we weren't expecting it, yeah. uh, um, but Mum always wanted to have a, a, a say in something. Um, so it was so something strong. that visited us. That certainly it has impacted my practice usually, and that's yeah. an area of. Uh, in some ways, therapy is there's a sense of loss for people coming to therapy that they've either lost a relationship or lost somebody or there's something missing in their life. There's a bit of grief and, and that, that can be part of what, what brings them to. But it's, it's definitely impacted my practice hugely in just you don't know what's going on in somebody else's life. You can never, ever make a judgment on what's going on in no, somebody else's really life. That compassion and mercy piece is absolutely huge. Mm, uh, when, awesome. when the person sits opposite me, they, they might fill in an intake form. They might tell me their story. An intake form gives me a bit of information and then the person gives me the information in live the first 10 minutes. It, it's very different. 
yeah because they suddenly feel safe to, to sit there um, and yes building that place of of trust and and peace and calm for them um i have found particularly with younger people they have me sussed within 10 minutes really oh they just know they're 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 cute they just yeah i like this guy or don't like this guy so i just need to sit back create the space listen mm. tell me your story what's going on um but particularly young people will just have you sussed very quick. And I, I will say to them and say to the parents, look, let them think about if they want to come back. But they'll know, no, I don't like this guy. Literally, probably <laughs> by my first three cents, they don't like my accent. They don't like the office I'm in. They don't like, you know, the way I sit. They just, they, they suss you very quickly. And I love that about them. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's either they, they, they don't like or they do like, yeah. as you said. Um, and I suppose with grief, as you mentioned there, you know, that's a profound understanding of grief that unfortunately you've been presented with you had no choice yeah. when 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 you got that phone call from your dad but there are so many different versions of grief and I think collectively we've been going through mm-hmm. a grieving process this entire I, I really can't keep track of how many months it is it's obviously over a year is it is it 17 18 uh, months it would be yeah yeah March, March. Yeah. yeah yeah 17 months 17 months yeah. Because we we're, we're grieving our lives pre-pandemic, and 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 there's so many different versions of grief where it could be breakdown of a relationship, while the person is still alive, they're not in your life anymore, so you're mm-hmm. grieving the loss of that relationship or mm-hmm. a job or whatever it is, and I don't think there's a person in the world that hasn't been touched by it in one way or another. Mm-hmm. I think anyone listening to this will appreciate that they've had their own grief and their own they're carrying their own pain mm-hmm. it, they might be in a good place now but we've all had it haven't we yeah in oh absolutely ways. oh absolutely and it's affected many many different people in many different ways there's no there's no one main track you know everybody has dealt with this and and it was subtle it was yeah. it was distant to us pre-Christmas and it was it was China and then it was Italy and we were all still planning the rugby match. Yes. You yes, know, and yeah. we we're all still planning, uh, you know, kids, their devs and and all, all Patrick's Day parties and all these things. So it kind of crept in mm-hmm. slowly. And then it was like two weeks. We shut the school for two weeks. And then so we all thought, grand two we weeks. We can do and this. Then, a month mm. that's fine the weather was nice the clocks changed we're all out walking um, and it crept up on us and all of a sudden it's kind of like I'm six weeks into this and the whispering of well th- this could be around for a year this yeah. could be around for two so it kind of snuck up on us so the novelty was very much at the beginning oh this is great working from home the kids being at home the readjustment very stressful for some um, I know there were some families who had a leaving cert junior cert and a primary school kid and parents needing to work and they were going How primary school kid yeah. you, you know we'll buy an iPad for you you need to share it and all that stress that went on uh, Ikea I think was empty <laughs> of yeah. all sorts of desks and chairs yeah. because everybody was working from home um, so it kind of crept up on us there isn't you're right Sheila there's not one person who's not been impacted by this whether they know it or not and maybe the impact might now actually come out afterwards they may have survived I think as humans we have I, people have sat opposite me and they have dug deep into every resource they've had as a person or a human being to get through this mm-hmm. you know their their patience their resilience the patience with themselves or with others the readjustment to working from home the readjustment of getting kids through school um the losses of businesses like we some people have had to dig incredibly deep to find new resources that we never thought we had yeah. uh, and as i said to you what has happened to 
the human being and more importantly, well, the human race, but more importantly, the human being over the last 17, 18 months, completely abnormal, abnormal to isolate yourself. Um, you know, don't don't be in touch with me. The way I was hearing the message was presume other people are infectious That's or that right. you're and I was kind of going that that's a, an interesting slant on it. I know why they're saying it. I, I want to be very respectful to the people who have cared for us through this whole time. But it was almost like an element of fear. You know, presume the person opposite you will make you sick. So we all I, kind it of was, yeah. very, very suspicious of each other. We're, we're not used to that. We're used to the, especially the Irish, the nod in the supermarket, the laugh, Absolutely. the crack the, and stuff. But our reactions to it of increased anxiety, isolation, breakdown of relationships, those things have been, our reactions to them have been incredibly normal. Yeah. And I, I actually heard somebody speak recently about the term social distancing, how they would have preferred if they had used physical distancing rather than social distancing, because, as you said, we are social creatures and yeah. we need it. It's important. And even if you can't physically reach out and, and, and shake somebody's hand, you can give them a smile. Absolutely. Even if you're wearing the mask, you smile with your eyes. There are, there are ways of communicating because it, it isn't it goes against the way a lot of us are wired. Mm -hmm. I've certainly struggled through the time, but it's amazing when you look back at, we've just gone through so much. Mm -hmm. As you said, fear has been a huge player for a lot of people. Uh, some people have come out the other side of that. Some people are maybe still in it and are mm -hmm. feeling that anxiousness and that, mm -hmm. I suppose, apprehension of, of what the future holds. Um, so it's so layered and it's so different for mm -hmm. everyone. Mm -hmm. um, but as we are in um, in a better place now, obviously, with the vaccine rollout and the amount of people getting COVID and the numbers in the hospitals are way down, which is fantastic. You know, things are looking up, mm -hmm. but it almost feels like because we have been in the survival mode for so long that it's now that a lot of people need assistance, need mm -hmm. help adjusting coming out the other side because I suppose you're in that protective would I be right in thinking the body is in the kind of protective zone of survival survival get through get mm -hmm. through I'm strong I can get through this but now you need time to breathe mm -hmm. and when you reassess you realise the toll it's taken on, your, on you on your life absolutely our brains the main function of our brains is to protect us yeah. Not so much for the learning and, and, and taking in information and, you know, sorting it out and then regurgitating it. The function of our brain is to keep us safe. So our brains have been on hyper alert to keep us safe, which means while that is doing that, it's, we've probably had to shut down an emotional part of ourselves just to get through. So we've not been as emotionally aware in some ways. We've not been as attentive to what is really going on inside of us because our brains have gone. Keep safe, keep safe. What's next? Readjust, readjust. And now that the brain will begin to open up again and go, OK, we can feel safe again. The, 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 the emotional overflow will come out. Can I just say it? I would imagine for some people, some people have excelled in in this restrictive time yeah. they have entrepreneurs have done really really well people who have dug into those resources have really turned their life around those who were struggling have gone this is an opportunity for change so sure. there's a cohort of the population who have really thrived and I take my hat off to those people who saw the opportunity went for it uh, took a chance uh, bought the van opened the window and sold coffee yeah. or, or whatever yeah. readjusted going okay I can do business there. I admire people who can make that change in, in times of real despair so I, I just I think they should be acknowledged Absolutely. as much as those who have really struggled at this time yeah. um, I I think for what I I see a lot of kind of 
16 to 25 year olds that, that's a huge chunk of my of, of of the people who i'm privileged to see and i they are their brains are still forming until you're about 25 your brain is still in a, in a development stage and an emotionally development developmental stage so there's been an interruption for them in this is this being kind of curveball thrown in for them so there's a lot i would i would really really particularly that population the the older generation we've maybe being able to come out of this a bit more. I've seen my own parents and parents-in-law be happy with isolating themselves and they feel so much better with the vaccination. They're, they're coming in and out of our house, they're talking to the neighbours again and they're, they're doing okay. For, for younger people with, with this interruption in so much part of their lives, the only way I can describe it for that cohort is they've been robbed. Yes. Literally call the guards because they have been robbed um, of so many experiences. Some of them finished the Leaving Cert online and then jumped into a first year in college online and have been missed out on all. Now, I'm not talking about the mad nights out, just the whole social change that goes on for for you know, 14 years. It's it's school eight to two or eight to four homework, junior cert, Leaving Cert. Your, your life is very organized. And then all of a sudden you're swept into this a lot more autonomy. If you show up for the lecture, great. If you don't, you've missed it. You know, handing in the assignments, um, getting the college work done, finding a job, um, you know, moving abroad, staying at home. It, it's meant to be. It's meant to kind of launch you out into life in a real positive way. And there's been a stunt in that. Yeah. Some people still feel, even though they're in maybe finished second year of college or first year, they still feel like they're in school. Yeah. They haven't had that experience. And I really, really f feel for that age group. And it, it, they are the years when you are out socialising. Yeah. You, you know, it's when you're having fun yeah. and you're exploring and you're curious about the world. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny that I spoke to Professor Luke O'Neill last year and he pretty much said exactly what you said, that, that the most vulnerable age ages mm -hmm. um, would be the late teens, early 20s in, in this whole thing. And Absolutely. it makes sense because I suppose we live life in chapters as well. And we're different phases in our lives. Like my little boy is nearly four. And I feel I'm sure it probably has impacted him in some way. Mm -hmm. But in the main, he's very content because he's had a lot of his mom and dad at home, which yeah. is great. And um, and he's just he's kind of adapted pretty seamlessly because he's young. Mm -hmm. But it is, yeah, th th I can only begin to imagine myself at 18, 19, if this, if this had been the way it was, like, God, I don't know how that would have impacted yeah. me. It's and it's important Im to kind of think that way, isn't it? Absolutely. It's really important for us either as parents or as support people for this age group, get into their shoes. Yeah. Walk, walk a month in their shoes. Um, I, I, I see it regularly during the week, what they are experiencing. But get into their shoes. Our, our, my daughter's a, a teacher down in Waterford with her husband in the same school, which is very interesting. Any, any man who walks into the classroom, they all think that's her husband, uh, which is very funny because they, they, they share the same school. But she has said that kids are of that age are incredibly resilient. They, they will bounce back. If there's been a gap of, of six months or a year, they, they'll catch up. Mm -hmm. You know, so if it's an encouragement to any parents of children that age, don't worry so much for them. They 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 will be able to catch up, and and they have plenty of time to catch up. The out of all that the the older teenage early twenties have been through, I see it. The biggest impact is is not so much on their education, mm. uh, not so much on their emotional life, their friendships. It has decimated some friendships because for some they have been told either 
they've been told by you know the, the the people in charge isolate you know you be distant and then by family members depending on what's going on you absolutely can't go away you absolutely can't do this and then others are a bit freer about that and what i'm seeing a lot in that age group is teenagers coming in or college age kids coming in and the biggest thing that they're feeling is isolated from Isolation, their friends yeah and the the thing of um their friends seeing a group of friends going out and them not included uh, and the, the, this article in the Irish Times there recently was a transition year. Students did this kind of study on on social media and, and friendships. And it was unbelievable some of the information that has come out that um, how relationships are now being done. But the pandemic pandemic has made it worse that over social media, um, boyfriends, girlfriends and friends of both sexes have been saying you're not to see this person. You're not to go out with that group. Uh, you're not to wear that. Uh, block this person on your phone. It's become crazy, the behavior between them. Um, and they think it's normal behavior. Mm -hmm. This is how you do relationships. But it's not actually. Yeah. It's really not. So I, m my heart is going out to those people, be, that, that particular age group, because they are, how do I do friendship now? I've missed a lot of maybe first year in college or half first year and all of second year. And I'm meant to be making choices for, you know, Erasmus years or exchanges. And how do I do? And all that uncertainty. So I really, really feel for that. I, I think it's been their relationships and their close relationships. They've that that whole ground has been shaken on them. And how do they readjust coming back out? How are they going to do friendships again? Because people have withdrawn and are now moving either towards a smaller group of people and, and people are being left behind. So I would encourage any teenager who are listening to this, just be be big hearted, not small minded. Yeah. You know, think of those who have been in your circle. They, they might need you, but they may never say it. Yeah. And often it's they it is the ones that will that won't say it that need it the most. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You touched on it there. And I think it's a huge one as well is is, is dynamics, family dynamics, mm. your your relationships with friends and how I have spoken to a lot of people who feel like not alone relationships within their own family, be it siblings or parents have changed during the time mm. or with friends that some have come into their lives, some uh, maybe drifted away depending on sometimes for no reason other than the disconnect, the, the isolation. But also then there is the I have this opinion about the now and mm. my pal has a different one and we we just can't connect and we just mm. we argue or whatever it is. So it that is a, that's a huge strain mm -hmm. on people as well. Mm -hmm. um, and it can create a lot of tension within families and within friend groups when people have such differing opinions. And it's very hard if you are on one end of the spectrum and you're speaking to somebody who has a completely mm. polarizing view to you. Isn't that right? Oh, absolutely. What, what the pandemic done for individuals and say the dynamic of the family is that because we'd be rushing in the morning and getting kids out to school or, or going to work and then coming home and meals and then, you know, the Gaelic, the football, the ballet, the swimming, the soccer. We, we were all the time moving. So we and it was fine. It was all working OK. All of a sudden we were forced into this. Everybody in your own four walls. And the way I would describe it is that any of our own personal or family unresolved issues had an, had a chance now to come to the surface mm. because, you know, you never notice how that person brushed their teeth. But all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, it's like your fingers down a chalkboard. 
because you're around it 24 7 all of a sudden you notice that you know they're 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 on a device far more than you thought they were uh, so our own personal issues of how we interact with people anything that may have been unresolved for us had an opportunity to come to the surface hence why some families really did struggle through the pandemic they really did not know how to operate in this space of have been literally thrown together because there was the distraction of of the you know you're doing this you're doing yeah. that equally i know it did give some families great opportunities to connect and and to kind of go let's play board games let's you know have, have a night where it's just the candles in the house and you know we tell stories and you know all of a sudden like coffee dates with dads and daughters mums and sons dads and sons all, all those things so there were a, a lot of good did come out of it but for those who've really struggled I believe it's those unresolved things in our life all of a sudden had a chance to come to the surface. The, 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 the painful memories, a bit of the trauma, the things that we were ignoring, we couldn't ignore anymore. Some have done really well and gone, there's an issue I want to sort it out. And some others, it, it's taken its toll either on, on their marriage or their, their relationship uh, or with their kids. Yeah. I know one centre uh, that I work from, there is um, a five week waiting list for families for families to come that that's huge that's huge for for our society that yeah, the, you know is. because I, I'm thinking okay I, I might see this child a teenager for an hour but for the rest of the week they're back in this mm. dynamic that may not be very healthy for them or maybe kind of quite emotional or emotive and, and it's very difficult for them it just for them it can be very hard for them to compute and, and live in that kind of tension all the time so it's been it's been relentless I might be veering off because I know family therapy is not your area of specialty, but mm. it, it does fascinate me that, you know, a lot of people individually go for therapy, which is a wonderful thing. Anyone going for therapy, I think, is a very positive thing. But as you said, particularly, say, with the child or somebody who has, um, you know, has has an issue or mm. something that's causing them pain of whatever type and they come and discuss it and they have a really good session, but then they're going back into that environment mm. that could be re activating all that kind of stuff again. Yeah. So unless I suppose the family decide to look at it as a whole and decide to accept and and, you know, hear the other person's point of view and activate change that way, it's it's Oh, Sheila, you're absolutely on the money. It's it's probably it's quite frustrating, oh, isn't it? Are you, are you, you, because there there's there's a, a set of, of parents who almost drive up, chuck the kid in the door and go, fix them and then I'll be back in an hour. And you're kinda of going OK, I, I, I can do my best. But for, for a rule that I have for any under 18 I see, I do not see them until I have a parental session, either oh. with mum and dad or mum or dad. Oh, very good. I have to see the parents first. Um, now, that consultation can be done over the phone because I know parents are very busy. It's better face to face because they get a sense of me before they hand the care of their child over to me and I get a sense of them. And there are cases where you actually end up just working with the parents and you never see the child yeah. because the parents go, you ask the parents, well, they, they focus on their child. He's doing this, he's doing that, or she's upset or she's very quiet. She's withdrawn or she's acting out. But then you begin to discuss the dynamics of the family with the parents. Well, you know, what you, what's your work schedule like? What's your downtime like? Do you get time as a family? Do you have meals together? Are, are they shoved from Billy to Jack all day? You know, and all of a sudden the parents, well, there's this happening. That. Well, would you try this for a week mm. and see how it goes? Mm, okay. So sometimes with the with the dynamic, particularly for the under 18s, um, you ha I you are wise to do the parental first and then maybe do a few sessions with the child 
and then bring the parents back in again. Always open communication back. And, and that's laid out right from the beginning. Everybody, the child knows. Yes, I have a confidentiality contract with the child, yeah. but they know that I am also going to be speaking with mum and dad. But nothing that I would say to mum and dad would be a surprise to the young person. Um, and mum and dad know that I will be in touch with them. They can be in touch with me. It, it has to be... Um, multiple people involved in it yeah, rather than yeah, just yeah. the child come when you fix them and send them home so you're absolutely on the money it, it's not just get the person in and try and do the work with them because what they're going back to there has to be change in the whole family yeah. dynamic of what's going on and sometimes people like to point the finger don't they and blame and say it's their problem I remember a friend of mine said a brilliant thing to me once about that you know he said when you're pointing a f- your finger how many fingers are pointed back Absolutely. at you? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's actually brilliant. Right. OK. Yeah. So what part have I played in this? Because it's easier. It's mm. easier to pass the book. And it's easier to say mm. he or she did that to me mm-hmm. rather than saying, well, what, what perhaps brought that about or what what part did I play in that? And, and, and it's hard. And yeah. like I'm 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 still at 42 feeling like I have so much work to do myself. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've done a fair bit, mm-hmm. but there are so many times in my life when I feel like I fall back into old conditioned behaviours that are yeah. not necessarily good for me or for those around me and I just feel mm. like wow I'm here again I'm here again <laughs> did I not learn the lesson <laughs> so um, therapy fascinates me absolutely I think it's wonderful I think it's brilliant I think everybody can benefit from it um, I haven't actually been to therapy for over 10 years mm-hmm. but I'm going back and I'm looking forward to it because I feel like I need a little bit of TLC at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm excited because I feel like it's been quite the break and I perhaps shouldn't let it go as long as I did. I did it for a, quite a, a period in my mm-hmm. life when I was going through, as you said, a different type of grief. I was I was grieving my old life pre-cancer. I had cancer, I went through a breakup mm-hmm. and lost a job in pretty much in about a year. Wow. And it was hardcore. And I felt very broken a lot mm. and therapy was hugely beneficial mm. to me. Mm. Like, I don't know if I'd be here today if I didn't have therapy. I don't mean that in a dramatic sounding way. What I mean is I don't think I'd be the person I am having this conversation with you had I not done the work on myself and all that it brought about in my life. So I really do see the value of it. But for somebody listening who is a bit like oh, therapy, really? Mm. I don't know how I feel about it or I'm a curious, but I've never done it and I'm a bit afraid mm. of it. You've just explained quite a lot already. You've already said that as a therapist, often you can just sit there and say very little and allow the person to speak. Um, but yeah, in your own words, how would you describe what therapy is? Mm. Oh, it's jeepers. Um, <laughs> yeah. Fair play to you for doing that. I really admire you, Sheila, for taking that step uh, and doing that uh, because you bore fruit in your life because of it. Yeah. And now you know, okay, bit of pruning might be needed so that more fruit could be born again. Absolutely. I'm just feeling I'm, I'm uh, midway through my pregnancy. I'm going to have a little girl and I just feel like there's something big happening and I feel like I need to make peace with some stuff mm. and learn. So I'm not carrying that forward into the next generation. Mm. I know it sounds a bit cryptic, but I just feel like there's a bit of... <laughs> But a cleansing necessary or something. Absolutely. So I'm just I'm I'm and I'm excited about it. I'm looking mm. forward to doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know it probably won't be easy all the time. That's that's <laughs> the thing about therapy. When you start delving deep and you start looking at yourself, yeah. it's not always pretty. Yeah. It's not always enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But it's very worthwhile. If you trust the process, yeah, and see the long game. And again, I would say this to a lot of young people: we we are a society driven by I, I can have it now. 
I, I can order something tomorrow and pretty much have it tomorrow the next day, maybe from anywhere in the world. So there's this immediacy that's there for me, convenience. Sometimes the inner journey, the inner work, you just need to see the long game. If they think after two sessions, I'm not really feeling any better. I'm not anywhere, you know, I'm just talking. Trust the process. Um, the I'm reading a fascinating book at the moment, Dr. Perry and... Uh, um, Oprah Winfrey wrote it and oh, it just yeah. captured I haven't me. read that yet it's oh good. it's it's been mind-opening for me and what I, I, happened to you isn't it yeah what happened to you oh, so because so many people come in and go oh, what's wrong with me I, I I'm socially anxious what's wrong with me I'm depressed what's wrong with me that's not the question to ask it's what happened to you so Sheila what happened to you well, I had cancer and I lost a child and lost my job that's what mm. happened to you there's nothing wrong with you mm. you 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 had this put on you you didn't go looking for any of these things, they happen to you. And therefore, the things that happen to us, we put a meaning on it. So a personal example from my own life that I really found beneficial in therapy was my mantra, my yeah. negative story in my head was no matter what I did, it wasn't good enough. Okay. I, I took that into my 20, into my marriage, uh, into my uh, fatherhood. I was kind of like, no matter what, in the background, um, no matter what I do, it's not good enough. Um, and that came about from the ages of 13 to 18. Football was my life. Absolutely. I played football 24 I loved it. Dream of going to England never happened. There was thousands of me in Dublin who were just as good at playing football, but the dream was get there. But the, the, the role of a coach or mentor is absolutely huge. And from my very first game to my last game, hundreds of games from no, my, I was a forward. My very first game from we uh, we were one 0 down at halftime. We came out at halftime. I scored the two goals. We won the game two one. Back into the dressing room, nothing said to me. My first game, uh, I, I got the winner. It was kind of like as a fourteen year old, you're thinking the coach come over. Oh, bad, you're brilliant. Nothing. Okay. And I, and that's how it went. Now the assistant manager was very vocal and well done and everything, but the, for me the top guy didn't say it. So as a young boy growing up, I go, no matter what I do, it's not good enough. No matter how well I play, it's not good enough. And you take that then into some of your relationships now and you become maybe a people pleaser mm. or you overcompensate and you do too much for people or you're always available because the question inside of me, Peter, was no matter what I do, it's not going to be good enough. So if I keep doing, keep doing, keep doing, one day I might be good enough. Yeah. And it was my great wife and our kids and being a dad and then mentoring, you know, voluntarily with others that and going to my own therapy and needing to realize as I, as I filled in some questionnaires, the thing was, you know, you know, failure to achieve or, you know, I was going, oh, yeah, that's me. I grew up as a kid thinking I, I, I hadn't achieved. Um, so I needed to change that mantra in my head. And all of a sudden I, I, I humbly and the right part of our ego can go, I try and be the best husband. I try and be the best dad. I will try and be the, the best there. I won't please everyone. I'll try and be the best friend. But I'm no longer haunted by that mantra of no matter what you do, it's not good enough. I will do my best. And whoever sits opposite me for that hour, they will get the best of me. And my child, if they comes in, they will get the best of me. So uh, therapy offers the opportunity for us to tell her story. What happened to you? Yeah. I was neglected. I was abused. I was, um, you know, bullied. I, I was I was sick. I lost, you know, this person that that's what happened to me because that happening meant I put a meaning on it. 
it could be I can't trust the world a, a, a person suddenly dies in you I, I experienced that I, don't tell me everything's going to be okay because when this happened to me when I got the phone call about Andrew I could not trust the world going well what's next if this can happen to me mm -hmm. anything and I needed just to work through that now I trust the world again yeah, and I trust yeah. life again going okay I'm, I'm okay now I was not for months so coming in and 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 sitting opposite somebody allows you to be a witness to your own story mm -hmm. and allows somebody else to be a witness to your own story. And hugely important is for you to have your experience and your feelings validated. Yes, be seen. Oh, I had a I had a guy first session with him the other day and he was telling me his story and he I've been with a partner. She became pregnant and about four months in stillbirth and um, it was okay. gone. This happened seven years ago. Yeah. And I just looked at him and said, I'm really sorry, dear. That, that must have been so hard. Of course. The tears came. Yeah. Seven years later, he's not even with this person. You know, they, have, you know, they, they don't see each other. But that, that still lives on. So there, there's still a message inside of his head somewhere of, of, of pain for him. Yeah. Um, so that's what therapy can allow. If you're curious, try it out. Try it out. Try, yeah. try. The personal recommendation is always the better one rather than just maybe the golden pages, you know, or, or an online directory. If, if you can get somebody who can recommend somebody is, is always the best. But if you just, if there's a, I had a guy come to me three weeks ago and he'd watch a TV show, a documentary about four guys who were telling their story of mental health. A very, very good story. It was on um, one of the, the, the social media platforms, uh, the news platforms. And I watched it myself. A friend of mine directed it and it was brilliant. I got a phone call from this guy going, I watched that show. I know there's something not right. Can I come and see you? There you go. Now, he doesn't know yet what's going on. Yeah. He's telling me his story of the relationship with his dad, the relationship with his mum, his struggling, trying to decide his next college course and the pressure of everybody going, what's next, what's next, what's next? And he's like, I don't know, I don't know. Um, but he knows there's something not right. But because of this, he's kind of like, I'm not fine. I might need to go. To we might only have three or four sessions together. Yes. And that's fine. Um, for some, it could be I'm seeing some people for a year on and off. And that's OK. Yeah. There's no rhyme or reason to this. But I always leave it back with the other person. If you want something next week, let me know. Yeah. Would you like to book something in? But it, it has to be their journey. Uh, and, and some people come for a while and then they they don't come back. To, and then they check in six months later. Sure. And things like that. So if if you think there's something going on or not sitting right with you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Reach out. I, a great question I encourage people to ask themselves are the W questions. If you're triggered by something, you read something or a message and you just all of a sudden you've gone from being peaceful to angry. What, where, when, why and who? Mm. Great questions to ask yourself. I'm so glad you said that because I think now in society and I, I even do it myself with the podcast. I give people a warning at the beginning of what, what the conversation contains because I think mm. it's important to prepare people in advance so that they're not unnecessarily traumatized or upset by listening to something that they weren't maybe expecting. Mm -hmm. But in saying that, I think we're sometimes, and this may sound harsh and I'm extremely aware of it myself, but I think sometimes we're overly, we allow ourselves to be overly triggered by things as in Mm. there's a refusal to look at it. But I, I do think, and I've always thought that way that when something is irritating me, um, I, 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 it's not easy, but I do try and say, why, what is it about this person or the situation that is annoying me? Because it's obviously something within myself mm. that needs to be looked at. Um, and that sometimes is hard for people to do and they just want to block or move on. And, and you have to do what's right for you in that particular moment. But sometimes if you can look beyond that and delve into it and discover why, mm. it really has nothing to do with that other person or the thing that you're watching that is annoying you. It's something within yourself that it's it's showing. It's just, it's irritating because it's a, perhaps it's, it's something you want. It could be jealousy or it's a lack mm. or whatever it is. It's it's just, it's fascinating stuff, I think, when you delve into that. Just going back to what you said there about being a kid, because I'm just imagining you as, as a 13 or 14 year old and you've, you've, you've had a, you've had such a brilliant match and you've played brilliantly. And as you said, you're, you're, you're hoping and you're waiting for this recognition from, from the boss mm. and you don't get it. Um, isn't it amazing how something that in a relatively short space of time and that person probably didn't even think of it could stay with you and 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 sow the seed of doubt of your own uh, self-worth. And it's something I'm extremely passionate about speaking about myself because mm. I've always struggled with my own feelings of being enough, like always. People who really know me say, God, you say sorry a million times a day. And I, I do think it's something I'm still working on as a 40 year old year old woman that I over apologize for myself. And it comes from a lack of feeling like, well, I'm not I'm not good enough. I still have to discover where exactly it comes from because I had very encouraging parents growing up and all that kind of stuff. But it's amazing how it can be something as as apparently small but it's huge it's huge and I think as kids a lot of us are we operate and and um, I suppose perform on praise and mm. acknowledgement it's that old Irish saying you know and if we don't get it or we're not seen it can it allow us to kind of shut down oh absolutely it it, it could be a moment that could be the best but we could live in the shadow of another sibling um, or I know there's the classic middle child, oldest child, youngest child, you know, the the, the family ranking, I get that. But it, it, you can feel in the shadow of somebody else and therefore your self-worth is not good. Can I say that there, there's a window of tolerance, there's a healthy part of of wanting to please people and being other-centred and caring for them. You know, it's a beautiful characteristic traits to have, to be aware of other people and and, and other-centred and, and uh, willing to serve and do what you 
So there's a healthy part of that. The bit we need to concentrate on is when does it not serve me well? When does yeah. it shut me down? Or when do we into overdrive and I'm, I'm burnt out? If I keep going this way of, of all, always answering my boss's call at 10 o'clock, always, always, always doing that, that, that bit is not serving me well. So the, the, there is, there's a, a tolerance level where it's, it, it, it's okay to, to you know, be, be driven into work or to, to serve others or to be other-centered as long as it's not having a, such a negative impact on our lives, as long as it's not burning us out or making us resentful or are we, we're, we're not getting a refill into our own emotional tanks. So just watch, watch that scale for people because they can, oh, I wonder if there's something wrong with me because I am such a generous person. Don't ever stop being generous, but just make sure it, what, why, what, where, when, who, and how, you know, what are those things coming up for you? Going yeah. back for, you know, a huge part and this is an encouragement to parents and dare I say even to fathers, a huge piece for fathers is to affirm the character of their children. It is unbelievable. Bo both parents doing it, but there's something about a dad statistically where he affirms the character of the child. Some people do grow up going, I, I my my parents love me because I did well in this exam or because I'm good at a certain sport or be, because of my achievements. If parents could really affirm their child's character, mm. they will blossom. They will they, they, you will equip them to take on the world. So it's not I love you, son, because you're great at rugby or I love you, sweetheart, because you're in the ballet or or, or, or whatever it might be. They are that's the cherry on the cake. Yeah. But I, I noticed you did that for your sister. Well done, son. Yeah, yeah. But to affirm the character of our children would actually obliterate a lot of the other negative stuff in their life and actually equip them for what they face in the world. And, and that's the other piece, Sheila. It is relentless being a teenager mm. at the moment. You know, that, those, you know, that thing I touched on earlier about the social media and who you can and can't be with. It is relentless being a teenager at the moment because there are unbelievable pressures on you to fit in, to act a certain way, to look a certain way, to be in a certain grouping, to do certain sports or not, to look a certain way. It is just relentless and it, it's 24-7. Yeah. It's 24-7. And I, I would have others who, who are flicking through Instagram or TikTok and they're seeing what everybody else is doing and they're not involved in it or they're, they're, they're thinking. <laughs> My daughter introduced me to TikTok about six months ago and I was flicking through it. it, it's, it it's the best way to waste 15 minutes if you if you've 15 <laughs> minutes to waste. But all of a sudden, <laughs> half an hour later, I'm still on it. But all of a sudden, in my mind, I was going... If, if I want to be successful, I, I should be doing videos. Right, I, I should yeah. be doing these videos on therapy. And, so, and I, hold on a minute. Yeah. I don't, I, I, but I, as an adult, can maybe get to that point. For teenagers, because their brains aren't fully there yet, they're just caught in this wave of relentless pressure. Comparison as well. Oh, absolutely huge. huge. Just going back to the parents, the, the parents can really pour solid cement into the esteem and value of our in a good way of, of, of their, their children by affirming who they are. I love that. Them. Yeah. Acknowledging their their talents and their their the essence of who they are rather than based on how they look or what they do. Because yeah. I think often we, you know, are complimenting on how we look are things like, yeah, whether you were good at music or whatever. And 
that really is not who you are. There mm. are things you can do and but they're not the essence of your being. So mm. I'm learning from you. I'm going to take this home. I'm, I'm, I'm already because I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, what kind of mother am I with my little boy? And it's good to be reminded and it's good to want to do better mm-hmm. and not assume that you have it nailed down and you have it sussed because I, mm-hmm. I think um, becoming a mother for me has been the most humbling and transformative uh, experience of my life. And mm-hmm. I've learned that it's it's not just about me anymore. And um, and that is uh, it's brilliant. Mm. It's sort of terrifying, too, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's fantastic. Yeah. And um, but the desire to want to be better, a better person has never been stronger than it is now because I am a parent yeah. and because I know what the impact it can have from different people I know from their own situations growing up or whatever their dynamics are, that if they're not seen or um, spoken to in a certain way, that it can have long term impact. And I, I suppose I, I, I want to do the best I can. Just back to uh, dynamics again. Mm-hmm. I would love if you could give your own advice as a therapist as to how we can be better pals mm. to each other. Um, during this time, simply because a lot of us are having such different experiences of the now and within within, you know, the backdrop of COVID, we can be going through a lot, be it work pressures or relationship pressures or mm-hmm. anything else in between. How can we be a good friend to somebody who comes to you with a problem? Um, I, I say this as, as somebody who often I think we want to fix somebody's mm-hmm. problem. And, you know, especially if we love and care for them, mm. we don't like to see people in pain. Um, and that sometimes, while it's well-intentioned, can come out wrong because yeah. it kind of can come out as, oh, no, you're fine, you're fine. You know, no, no, it's all OK and don't worry about it. And actually the person is like, what? I just want to tell you how I feel. Absolutely. No, it's a, it's a great question. And I, I'd approach it from, let's say you're a parent and then let's say you're a friend. So... From a parent's point of view, um, seek to to listen to the, to your child's heart, uh, and what I mean by that is is maybe what they're not saying, um, maybe be aware of how they are acting or how they are interacting with those others. A parent knows their child and know how they work, and if you see something off kilter, don't ever be afraid to ask your child how are you doing. Don't ever be afraid to ask them uh, to take a moment with them and find out just how they're doing. You can do that casually and informally, or you could make it a, a date. You know, let's go up to and, and get a drive through meal and just have a chat with each other. Mm-hmm. If a father and son want to do it, men generally do things better shoulder to shoulder. Face to face is confrontational for a man. All shoulder right. to shoulder is united and working towards each other. So you have a father and son might be watching a rugby match and the, a grunt and a groan and a bit of a chat. That, that's safe, easy communication, father, son. Mother and daughter might sit down, hands on the, you know, and, and she tell me what's going on. And they want to see the facial reaction. Now, I, I do not want to be stereotypically, you know, pigeonholing people. But generally, yeah, a man yeah, yeah. sees face to face as being confronted. We're shoulder to shoulder. We're in this together. So two mates are father and son um, dropping him to training. How's school? How's your school friends going? Offer to bring the school friends because you get gems of information as to what's going on in school or the rugby team or the soccer team in that. So from a parent's point of view, shoulder to shoulder, face to face, never be afraid to ask your child if you think they're struggling. 
Mm. So that they know, even if they don't answer you, then they know mum and dad are open to me answering that question sometime. And it's so important to be asked, isn't it? How are you? And really ask yeah, and, and wait for the answer. Yeah, yeah. How are you? Is there anything, anything I can do for you? Anything that myself can do for you? You're, you're doing OK. Yeah. And, and, and ask and then leave. Ask and withdraw. Uh, because the, sometimes they're still trying to work it out in their own brain, but they know the, the opening is there. Mm. And you can leave it maybe for a few hours or, or a day or two and go back. Everything's still OK. They know, right, mum and dad are available. If I need them, that's fine. Um, teenagers will probably go to their friends group first. But if, you're, if your teenager comes to you, now this is a lesson we learned very quick. We'd be, you know, finishing a TV show, it'd be half 10, 11. We'd be ready to go to bed. The teenager will come down to say goodnight or come in. They will choose the time they want to tell you and whether it's convenient for you or not, you put everything else down and you listen to them at that point. If it's one o'clock in the morning or if it's 11 o'clock at night and you are wrecked and have had a long day, if that's the moment, particularly your teenager decides to let you in. Don't shut it down. If at all possible, engage with them. Mm. Um, Because if you say, look, can we pick this up actually in the morning? gone they, they'll be in a different headspace in the morning so if they come to you and are ready to talk and be available at 10 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night or at a time that's not really convenient for you don't miss that opportunity yeah. don't miss that opportunity that would be my encouragement to, to parents and my encouragement to young people is don't be afraid to approach your parents or if you feel that they're really really are unapproachable approach somebody it might be an aunt or an uncle or or maybe even a cousin, but don't keep it inside of you, if at all possible. Within the, the group friends, I'm oh, sorry, the, the other thing about, uh, well, this could be for the parents or for the friends, is if the person says, I'm struggling or I'm really finding it hard or I'm very low and they, yeah. they can't articulate it properly, don't dismiss it. Yes. Absolutely don't dismiss it. Some people can be, oh, well, look, you know, look, look at the people down the road, aren't, aren't we better off than them? And all of a sudden they will shut down and you've lost them. You, you, sorry, you could lose them and potentially do a bit more damage. Yeah. So don't, don't minimize what they're feeling, but equally don't go into hyper, hyperdrive and go, you're feeling a bit low, right? Uh, medication, GP tomorrow, into a therapist. It's like, you know, just hear them out. Yeah. So just, just listen. Um, There's nothing worse than that uh, feeling that somebody says, well, at least you, you know, are not like such and such. And you're kind of going, all right. So this thing that's really causing me uh, suffering or upset is now not not worthy enough of attention because it's not as bad as Joey down the road or whatever it is. It is it's it is damaging. I have mm-hmm. <laughs> you may already tell <laughs> I've been at the other side of that and it bloody hurts. Oh. It hurts when somebody you love says to you, you know, well, it's not as bad as such and such. You're like, what? You're you're hearing. I'm not important. What yeah. I'm feeling is not important. You're a bit of a nuisance. You're so ungrateful. You're, you're hearing all those messages when somebody dismisses what you're feeling. Yeah, it's, it can be. It takes the wind out of your sails and actually can set you back more. And therefore, well, if I'm not, if 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 this is the reaction from a primary caregiver or a parent, why would I go to a stranger? You know, you know, yeah. they, they, they could make that conclusion. I'm not I, I'm shutting this down. I'm not opening because this might be in the one moment they decided to be brave and approach you. And if you can take it, take it among the friends. You know, the, the thing that comes to mind, you know, you get two guys or two girls and they're all sitting down. What I'd watch out for would be the biases of a friend. 
And what I mean by that is, you know, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling. I'm, I just don't feel pretty. I don't feel great about myself. And the other friend as well, I don't want you to ever feel prettier than me because I'm already struggling myself. No, you're, you're fine. You're gorgeous. You look great. You look, and, and, and the friend will give the advice from the friend's point of view rather than from what I mean by the buyer's point of view is that they, they, they will it'll be influenced by the dynamics of the friends. Yeah. Did you understand? Well, very and, interesting. And, right. and, and yeah. the guys might be a little bit like they'll you'll get a loud response to something because he'll be basing it on his 16 year old, his 16 years of life experience or 18 life years experience. I know we go to friends for advice and I, I get that. But if it's really deeper stuff, of course, they can be confidence for us. They can be friends and supporters through it. But if it's real deeper stuff you're going through, um, that would be the time to kind of maybe step into the the, the more uh, professional services that may, might might be there. D- does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that does that sit okay? I, I, I friends are so so important, but they can sometimes not always be necessarily the best place for teenagers because there's so many different dynamics going on. Um, and the the thing that a lot of what's happening with teenagers at the moment is. It's not necessarily related to therapy, but you find mates making a plan to go, OK, we'll meet up on Friday at, at you know six o'clock. A general theme for a lot of young people at the moment is they're going to they they won't commit until the very last minute unless a better offer comes in. Well, there's only two of them going there, but there's six people going to this better party. All of a sudden at half five, they've gone to this party and they'll drop these people here that's a huge huge dynamic with, with young people they they won't necessarily on, on Wednesday commit to something on Friday necessarily because yeah. they can, might go just in case there's wind that something better might come I don't want to paint them in a bad way it, because I don't think they're even doing it on purpose it's more just that's what everybody's doing at the moment be, if, if you're going to be a friend be, be a person of your word be true to your word. If, if you've made an arrangement with a friend, stick with it and go through it, even if what seems like a better offer comes up. If a friend approaches you, be honest with them and go, that sounds quite serious or that sounds quite heavy. I'd walk the road with you. I'll be a friend. But would you consider maybe talking to somebody else about that or, or even offering them, look, I'm, I'm here. You know, I'm always here for you. But I wonder, should you get more, better help on, or more help or different help on this? D- does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Moving away from the teenage age group, just for a moment, say 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, beyond. Yeah. When somebody has come to you with a problem and in your head you're going, I have no clue how to respond. Mm. Like they're telling me something. And, and obviously we're not trained therapists. Of course. Majority of people, mm-hmm. um, when somebody comes to you with with something big or they, they need to unburden themselves, they want to tell you. I mm-hmm. mean, it's a privilege that they, they've come to you, I suppose. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a compliment to you that they want to open up. They want to share something with you. But if you if you're in your head silently, you're going, I don't know what to say. I'm uh, what uh, they're still talking, but I'm, I'm just trying to. What do I say to be a good pal? Yeah. And you're worried and you yeah. don't know what what is your advice to somebody in that situation? Mm, yeah, if 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 they're still talking and you finding this dialogue going on in your head going, oh, no, oh, no, I, I don't have an answer. I, I don't know what to do here. Shut that dialogue down and actually just listen. You know, if, if you can, if you can get to that point of, you know, just listen and listen and hear them out. Because sometimes as friends, we can run, we can listen with the answer running in our mind. I have an answer for that. If, if they just did this, that'd be okay. Or 
uh, maybe the dismissal bit of you know, that's not really important. So, so actually, if you were aware of this dialogue or the bit of panic of the li- dialogue going on in your head, just maybe shut it down and listen. And then when they've got it out, you can say honestly, I actually I don't know what to, I don't know what to do. But if you if you say it genuinely or a lovely, maybe this is a question I love to be asked, but, but I think anybody likes to be asked, what can, what can I do for you? Or yeah. what what do you need from me? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, how I, can I, I help? How can I how can I help? How can I help? Rather than well, if you did this, 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 and this, it's like you know. Because yeah, exactly. When somebody unburdens themselves, sometimes we after they unburden themselves, we actually don't know what they need, and they may not even know what they need. So, and sometimes they just needed to say it. Rather than have somebody fix it. I remember actually speaking to Joanna Reardon last year and she said a great thing. She had a WhatsApp group with some friends and she said, you know, before a friend goes into, you know, discussing something, um, they'll say, is it a rant or is it advice? Because if it's a rant, we'll just let you go off, get it off your chest. All good. And um, but if it's advice you want, fair enough, we'll we'll give it. And I think that's a really healthy way of going about it, saying, look, it's just a rant. I just need to get this off my chest. Will you just yeah. be a sounding board for me to just to talk? <laughs> I don't need you to fix it. The, the breakthrough in the therapy room or the breakthrough in the relationship is when the other person goes, I think they get me. Mm. I might reflect a sentence back or say something and they go, yeah, OK, he's got me now. He mm. knows how I operate. Or, or the friend might go, I did feel listened to. They didn't judge me. They didn't offer advice straight away. They didn't dismiss what I was saying. They just, if we could just shut down our own internal dialogue when we're with people, we'd be much more peaceful in ourselves and our friendships, I think, would function much, much better if we actually listened, really listened to each other. Yeah. Even the difficult person in the group, even the one who may want to dominate the group or speak the most or seems to be the most dramatic, just because what listening equals respect. Mm -hmm. And when you feel respected as a person, that is huge for you. When I when I feel respect from Kira as as a husband, I'll go to the ends of the earth for her. Yeah, absolutely, go to the ends of the earth for her, and and vice versa. So when you have that dynamic among your friends, and and either you are some people are naturally just better listeners. I, I, I'll get that. And it's not a it's not a personality fault if you're not a good listener. There's not something wrong with you no, or, or no, that you need to not. change. But if you can work on it going, I'll just I'll just listen. I'll give them the 10, 15 minutes. I'll give them what they need. It, it, it can be huge for for deepening a friendship and, and just for the person to just feel better about themselves. 99% of the times when we hear ourselves talk, we actually get the solution ourselves. Yeah. That's and that, that's what happens across the room from me. Mm-hmm. Just shut up, Peter, and don't jump in. Don't. You're listening to the you're, you're trying to read between the lines of some of what they're saying. You're trying to listen to what they're not saying in some ways. But 99 percent of the, there's so many times when somebody's opposite me and they're going, because, you know, when I hear myself say it now, I know, yeah, I know what I need to do or I know what it means. And if they if they can become, as you said, their own therapist and work through themselves, I wish I wasn't busy, if you know what I mean. I wish people didn't have to come. But the job is to equip them and strengthen them to have autonomy over their own life. And I don't mean that in, in a selfish way, but to be able to equip themselves and have the tools to do it. And you you've hit on, and I suppose, a real fundamental aspect of therapy, which is that some people, when they don't fully get what's involved, think 
this is going to be the magic wand and this woman or man is going to fix me mm. but it's not it's not about that it's about you figuring it out for yourself but somebody facilitating you to do that and mm-hmm. I suppose you know allowing them to speak as you said once they say it out loud they can work it out themselves but it's not up to the therapist to fix the person that's in front of them either mm-hmm. it's offering maybe perspectives or asking questions that make them think and ask mm-hmm. them to mm-hmm. kind of delve into it and that, that was one of the things that I found quite a revelation when I started because mm. um, sometimes I didn't, I wasn't necessarily hearing what I wanted to hear, but I was hearing what I needed to hear. <laughs> and I sometimes leave a session going, well, that was a pile of shite. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I'd go off and I'd do my thing and then I'd go, all oh, mm. right, yeah, that's landing with me now. Yeah. Oh, now I get that, yeah. And I'd go back and go, you know, last week and I left here, I thought you were an awful bollocks and, uh, and I didn't get it at all. And uh, but here I am and actually, do you know what? I had a much better week or whatever it is. I had a really good relationship. Unfortunately, there was a lot of cursing. <laughs> really good relationship with my therapist. He was great. Um, still a good pal. But it's it's and not that I'm not saying that's for everyone, but sometimes it's almost like he can sometimes lock horns as well. But that's where breakthroughs happen is in those difficult moments in the therapy room. You play out your difficulties. Yeah. So if they have somebody who shuts them down all the time and then they come to you and they feel you're shutting them down. You, well, let's talk about that. Me and you role played this out here. What, what did I do that triggered you there? Let, let's do it now. And they can do it in the safety of this space because it, we say this respectfully, it doesn't matter with me. Yeah, yeah. Because they're going to leave me and go back into that situation. So if, sometimes it's really good if the, if the therapist triggers something in you. Mm. The, that's the moment to go, do you know, you've, you said, you've just pissed me off there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And a, a great therapist will go, great, why? Yes. But because you were just like my dad who always did this, or you're just like my sister who never gave, let me have a word in edgeways. Mm. Great, tell me about your sister. Well, but, and all of a sudden, the the issue, the, the air is taken out, the power is taken out of the situation. They've realized it, but you have been the, you... As a therapist, you, be, you can be the catalyst rather than avoiding it going, well, oh, OK, OK, you know, that, that a good therapist will seize on those moments yeah, of, yeah. of resistance in the room or triggering in the room. And then there are people who just don't like what you say. Mm-hmm. I remember one or two coming in and me asking them certain questions. And what about this? What about that? And they never came back. Yeah. Yeah. And I, as a human being, you go, crap, crap, crap. I got that wrong. And then you have to, in reflection, you go, no, you trust no. your own process. Yeah. I just maybe maybe they just didn't like maybe I, I, I just touched the nerve and they yeah. go, no, I'm not ready. And maybe not, not ready, as you said. Absolutely. Not and in three months time, they might come back and go, you said that. And I'm, I'm either I'm ready now or they, they might approach it a different way. Yeah. It, it's it's this is the beauty of the work. It's so unique to the person who sits opposite. If I was so tunnel vision and this is how I do my work I, I I wouldn't be any use to anybody you've just got to go with what comes up in the room yeah and, and sometimes it's the little throwaway comment of I you know my aunt oh, that's another story tell me about the aunt yeah yeah well, what's the other story they subconsciously are letting you in to go I need you to ask me about the ant, but they don't know about it <laughs> and then you go or, or whatever it might be or all oh, my time when I was away for a year Tell me about the time we're in here. Oh, well, this happened, that happened. And actually, I got you know attacked and I got beaten up. And But I'm fine now. It's like, okay. Trauma is huge. Yeah. It's a, but the, and a slight other tangent. 
trauma is huge and we all experience it on different levels we've all had some sort of experience where it's left a huge impression on us and that can stay trapped inside of us it's it, I don't want to the word energy it, it, it's something that is still going traveling around inside of us oh yeah and it dictates a lot of our behaviors and it needs to be released and it can be an experience of 20 years ago it can be words that were said to us it's words that weren't said to us and having the opportunity to be able to release that valve of mm. saying what was done to us that's half the healing there might still need to be a journey of completing the trauma and and if it was say you were being pinned down and you felt you know you went into the freeze and, and you couldn't fight for yourself part of the therapeutic process is very carefully taking that person through going okay feel the strength in your arms and feel you pushing them away and then see yourself running off. You, you complete the traumatic exper experience for them. It, yeah. And it, it comes to a conclusion for them because it's trapped inside. But so many experiences in our lives end up being trapped inside of us. And, and some people come out in serious back pain or neck pain. Mm -hmm. it, it'd be worth looking at. I wonder, is that pain or is it trauma I've had to ask myself that question yeah I know my work there was a bit of wear and tear but I've had to sit with that uncomfortable going I wonder if there's something else there for me yeah. do you know what I mean um so sorry that, that's just a little piece on the trauma but um we could have this conversation <laughs> for the next five hours and I still would I wouldn't be tired I know I wouldn't because you're tapping into so many different areas that I'd I'd um I'd love to get into, but I know right now is not is not the time, but I'm I'm completely with you and fascinated with that because I do feel like, you know, as I say, the body knows the score and you do, you know, emotional or mental trauma can manifest within the body as well in different ways. Um, look, I think it's given people, I hope, an insight into the value of therapy, of unloading something difficult it doesn't have to be huge. It can be something small that's bothering you. But if you're not content in, in your day to day life, it, it requires a little bit of TLC. So I suppose I hope people have a better sense of the importance and value and how how I suppose practical it is for everyone to look at therapy, do your research, find what works for you. Um, and if you're not comfortable taking that step, well, then start with maybe opening up to friends if you're not doing so well our family or whatever it is. But look, none of us are perfect. Mm -hmm. It doesn't exist. Every one of us has stuff going on in our lives. We just don't often always talk about it. So um, if you're feeling isolated, alone, hurt, like you're grieving, whatever it is, you aren't on your own. You're not on your own and there is help available. And it's important to know that. Absolutely, 100%. I'm still working on myself. I still get triggered by things and have to sit I call it, I have to sit in my own manure. We put manure down yeah. to really let stuff grow really, really well. It stinks for a while. It's not very pleasant. But if I sit in that awkward place for a little bit, there's gems of wisdom there for me to learn personally that equip me to live life. And I don't need that maybe to go to others. I'm, I'm, I'm equipping myself. Yeah. Um, so absolutely, Sheila, you've, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. You're brilliant. Um, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people now that will be clicking on your website link wanting to book sessions with you after listening to this conversation. Your website is buyersidetherapy.com. I actually think I need glasses. I could barely read that. <laughs> um, so that's your website. And thank you for making time and for allowing this to happen today. I'm delighted to have you. 
Well, Sheila, it's been a pleasure. And as I said, 10 seconds can change your life. And when you reached out and we started the conversation, it, it felt right with me very much so uh, and I purposely didn't bring Kira the kids in here today because they would have told you the true story <laughs> so we'll end on that positive note <laughs> they would have been going don't go near him you know he's my it's dad all lies, but no all that's lies. all lies no <laughs> Sheila thank you Thanks, I was Peter. incredibly humbled by, by spending this time with you and a real real privilege thank you please check the show notes for some resources which may be helpful to you and if you like my podcast please show your support by leaving a rating or a little comment on Apple or by clicking follow on Spotify I'd be so thankful you've been listening to Ready To Be Real Conversations Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime round out Mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.